Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Your Mortgage Process. I, of course, am your host, Greg Wareham. we got a really different show for you today. Uh, as you know, the name of our show is Your Mortgage Process, but we really don't speak enough about the mortgage industry. So today, my guest is new to the industry, and will actually, ironically, be working with each other uh, at some point in time. And I thought it'd be a great idea to have Keith Gajewski on the show today. Hi, Keith. Hello. Thank you for having me, Greg. Uh, thanks for joining us. And he and I are going to talk about the industry. We're going to talk about sales. We're going to talk about being successful and go a little bit deep on that. So, Keith, with all that being said, why in the world do you want to be in the mortgage industry? <laughs> That's a great question. I've been practicing. <laughs> so the finance industry is something I've always kind of had a passion for. Um, growing up from a less fortunate background, I kind of uh, valued the dollar and how to manage your finances uh, a bit more than maybe the next person. Um, sure. And I, I spent some time uh, in the in the banking industry. And then I also have a background in finance as well. So as I kind of got a better depth of, you know, how people were mismanaging their money more often than not, and the lack of financial literacy out there, it kind of made me dig a little deeper into, you know, how I wanted to help um, people and what kind of difference and change I wanted to make in the world. Sure. You know, and it really is amazing because there's no curriculum in school talking about finance, how to manage your money, in the old days, how to balance your checkbook and everything like that. There's no course on that. Oh, none of it. You know, none they teach you a lot of really important information about things you need to know, but not a lot of practical information that things you can apply. Exactly. Right? Especially on the personal level as well. Sure. And, and you know what, you coming, you were in banking for a few years, and that was my background for 13 or 14 years. I was at one of the biggest banks in the, in the country. And it, it does give you the opportunity to learn right? To learn about finances and learn about the, the mortgage industry. Yeah. And it also uh, allowed a certain perspective because you see, you know, people from, you know, from A to Z in terms of how they manage their money, what backgrounds they come from, what type of finances they're dealing with in general. And, you know, I've seen from those who make no money that are able to save and invest more than half of the population and those that make a tremendous amount of money yet upgrade their lifestyle and do things that don't really financially make sense. You know, my dad used to say to me, it's not how much you make, it's how much you spend. And he said that to me at a young age, we didn't have any money. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I'm sure that was top of mind all the time, but it's really what it is. You know, what, how much do you save and what do you do with that money when you're saving it? And I think when you look at the mortgage industry as a whole, I mean, that's the biggest financial asset that people are, most people are ever going to have. And then also understanding, you know, tax implications, why it's good to own a property, potentially good to own a property for deductions that you can have. And, you know, what's a better feeling than owning your own home, right? I, I could not agree more. So now what, as you get your feet wet in the industry and you take, put that dynamic personality to, to work, because you are great, Keith, you're Thank great you. to spend time with. What, like, where do you see yourself going? How do you think you're going to kind of make things work in the mortgage industry? And how can uh, I help? Oh, well, you'll be uh, definitely of a lot of help. Um, I'm looking to really dive in and, like I said, kind of put that passion of mine to help people understand finances and make financial, um, financially literate decisions um, kind of to, you know, foot to the uh, pedal to the metal. I'd really like to utilize my knowledge, my services, and what I'm going to be doing in the industry to help people achieve that goal of, you know, owning a home, but doing it in the right way. Right. And you know, it's like two different facets to that. So it's like understanding the industry. 
So that's time value of money, understanding what payments people can afford, your debt to income ratios, understanding mortgage guidelines, and really the technical aspect of our industry. Because it's a little more complicated than, than people may think behind the scenes. That's number one, but number two is, how are you gonna drive the business? Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, it, as in really any industry, it's about making the phone ring, right? Yep, shaking hands. The more the hands you shake, the more money you make. You know, whether or not you're in the mortgage industry, you're an attorney, you're a doctor, you're pick anything. If the phone's not ringing, you're not in business. Mm -hmm. And being able to, to make that happen. So for you, when you see yourself coming into it, what's your plan, Keith? How do you plan on kind of driving business? Uh, great question. Um, so as someone new in the industry, um, I've, I'm not unfamiliar with the real estate industry itself. So mm -hmm. I do have a, a good basis of connections that I've built over the last year or so. Um, but really, once I get to dive headfirst into the mortgage industry, um, or rather that side, um, I'm really looking to meet as many people as possible and really share the knowledge that I'll be gaining and the um, benefits not just, um, you know, hey, you should buy a home, but is like you said, is it right to buy a home? Like, mm -hmm. how can this benefit you beyond having a roof over your head? Yeah. You know, so let's back into that a little bit. So, you know, a lot of people, you're going to network, everything like that. I've always looked at the industry of having a certain amount of pillars, right? So who am I going after? Do I want to work with real estate agents? Do I want to work with CPAs, financial planners? Do I want to work with my sphere of influence? Like and what all that looks like. And let's just say that one of your spheres are real estate agents because mm -hmm. you're familiar with them. You, you, you have your real estate license. So you, you know, people in that community, how, what's your plan to go after them? And I of course can give you my opinion. So, uh, like you said, I kind of yeah. have that, uh, uh, experience from the real estate end. So I know the benefits that a mortgage lender can bring to the table, not just for yourself, but your clients. Right. Um, I think a lot of the times um, some real estate agents can kind of pass the torch on and kind of step back from that process. But I think it's highly important for everyone to work together to make sure that A through Z, that process is both educational for the client and they feel safe and they feel like they're being taken care of. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's absolutely critical for people to work within a, for great experience, you have to have a sphere of people, a sphere of influence that you're working with, right? What's that business synergy? So you have your loan officer, you have your real estate agent, you have your attorney, you have your title company, you have your home inspectors, and I could name a few other ones, but what's important is that kind of everybody knows each other in some way, shape, or form, and you have, you have confidence with those people that you're working with. Because from a consumer standpoint, it's critical, right? I mean, but where, the, where this industry gets a little bit difficult is when you're working with five different people and nobody knows each other. Exactly. Because you always find that situation, there's that passing the buck, right? There's, you know, it, it, there's not open lines of communication between all parties where to have the best possible experience as a consumer, you really got to have a closed circle on that. You really, it's critical part of the process. I couldn't agree more. So what do you do? All right, so we're going to meet some real estate agents. We know the value proposition. How are you going to follow up? Uh, so in terms of, uh, I'd like to take a deep view into the mortgage industry, um, which is why I'm really excited to pick your brain and yeah. you know top leaders like yourself, is just to best understand the process from start to finish so I can relay that information and educate my clients throughout 
um, the entire process as well. Okay. Um, so I, I'd like to focus on a lot of, uh, which is why I love what you do, is educational content. Because yeah. as I said, there's a lack of that out there, I feel. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you look at the educational end of it, you know, there's two different approaches with working with business partners and with the consumers. There's, am I a salesperson? Am I a hard grinding salesperson? Right? And we've all met them. And I'm not judging it one way or the other. And that can be an approach to doing it. I'm just an aggressive person. And then you could take the path that's more educational oriented. And there's not only two, but this is kind of two that we're looking at. You know, I've always taken the path of being educational. The most important thing to me in working with my business partners and my customers is that they're in the know. They understand what's going on and that we've educated them in a fashion where they feel comfortable with everything. And because if you feel comfortable with everything, things just, they flow more efficiently. So to me, edu education's paramount. For yeah, and industry. you know the saying, Greg, uh, people work with those that they like, right? Yeah. So if you're just, uh, you know, the hard, aggressive individual getting out there saying, hey, you know, I want your business, give me your business, I don't really think that resounds with not just... Um, you know, realtors or those in the industry themselves, but their circles as well, as opposed to someone who's, you know, this is what I'm about. This is the value I provide. If you want to work with me, you work with me. Yeah. You know what? It, you know, in, in any sales industry, it can be a dime a dozen. It's just the reality. The real estate agent, mortgage person, you're a dime a dozen. It's just true. Mm -hmm. But at the, at the end of the day on it, it's, you know what, how do you differentiate yourself from everybody else, either organically, you know, through our education, or what are you doing that's a little bit, bit different than everybody else? And do you care about what you're doing? Of course. So you had mentioned you might have a couple of questions for, for me. What questions can I answer for you? Ah, great. Uh, this is I'm the ready to go, part. Keith. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'll start with the basics. Um, you know, what drove you to get into the mortgage industry itself? That's a great question. Oh, I get to get interviewed. This is fantastic. <laughs> so I, when I got out of college, I went to school for finance. And I wasn't always going to go to college. I was a mechanic when I got out of high school. And I had a, an epiphany when I was taking a transmission out of a car and it was 130 degrees out. Honest to God, I said to myself, <laughs> I said, I can't do this the rest of my life. So I got out from under the car and then I ended up enrolling in community college I got a two-year degree, and then I went to a you know, four-year degree, and I, I got my degree in, in finance. And when I got out of school, I thought I wanted to be a stockbroker because this is, you know, you're in the 80s, 90s, and you know, I want to be a stockbroker. And I did that for about a year, and it just wasn't the right fit for me. And I, I had a, a friend that went into the mortgage industry, and he got me an interview at a company. It was Champion Mortgage was the company, and this was in Quincy, Massachusetts. And I was like, you know what? I, I think I could do this. I like the sound of, of mortgages. I knew I kind of wanted to be in sales. Something was financially oriented. I knew the math associated with doing mortgages. I was like, all right, I'm going to give this a shot. My very first appointment that I went on, it was at a really nice house. It was like a million dollar house back then. And it was in Plymouth, Massachusetts. It was the top of the, this mountain in Plymouth. And it was overlooking the water. And I went in and, and I did a mortgage for them. Uh, actually, I got a good anecdotal story. Nick, am I allowed to tell an anecdotal story? So I didn't have any money. So my car, I get out from my car after selling a loan these people on a million dollar property, my car won't start. Uh. So I'm underneath my car, 
banging the starter. And the lady screams out the window. She's like, is everything okay out there? I'm like, yeah, everything's great. It's my brother's car. I borrowed it. <laughs> like a $30 suit. But I got in the car and I was on my way back. And I, and I, called, my, I called my mother. And, and I said to her that day, I said, I think I found what I'm going to do. Because I enjoyed it that much. Just the dialogue with the consumer and being able to provide value for them. So that's how I ended up in the mortgage industry. I never thought I was going to. I thought I wanted to be, you know, a CEO, a stockbroker, something like that. But it just kind of, it was right. And it felt right on the first time I did it, first time I sold one. Awesome. And they say, hey, do what you love. You never work, right? Well, I think that's a lie. <laughs> you do what you love and you work all the time. <laughs> because our industry, like a lot of the sales-oriented industries, it really is a lifestyle cho choice, Keith. You know, and as you're, you're growing and developing in the industry, you learn that. You know, this is, it's not a nine-to-five gig. Mm -hmm. It is a, I don't want to say 24-7 because it's not. You're still going to sleep. No one's calling you at 2 o'clock in the morning. But it's, 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 you're kind of always on call. And you always have to be accessible, whether or not you're on vacation, no matter what you're doing, you really need to be accessible to your business partners. And once you accept the fact that it's a lifestyle and with that comes a lot of benefits, it's kind of really liberating. And then you live around it. You That's adapt it. And, and That's prevail. it. You know, I would say that to you. And also there's no end game. Like for a long time in my life, I used to think that there was an end game. Like what goal am I trying to get to? Because I'm goal oriented. And, and I solutioned it about five years ago saying, I'm never going to get there because I'm never going to stop. Right. So I'm not trying to get to the top of the mountain because, you know, every day I'm at the top of the mountain. Right. And I don't mean that, you know, arrogantly or financially or anything like that. I just mean like, you know, this is what I'm doing and I'm never going to stop doing it. You know, I'll be 75 years old selling some mortgages. Will I be working as many hours? No. I'll see you at those networking events. <laughs> <laughs> what else am I going to do? I don't golf. Mm. Uh, I mean, I don't do anything. I spend time with my family. I go to the gym. I hang out with Nick. You know, I have these great dialogues with people like yourself, Keith, and I don't want to stop that. I enjoy doing it. Yeah, and that's, uh, you know, what I'm looking to uh, kind of feel and get into yeah. uh, jumping headfirst into this as well. Yeah, that's great, Keith. Come on, what else? What else you got for me? Uh, I guess what would be... Uh, great question. What would be some tips and tricks for somebody entering the business in terms of, I guess, um, not only drumming up new business, mm -hmm. but ensuring that you are providing the value that you should to ensure that you continue to do business? That's, that's a great question. And I'm going to answer it a couple of different ways. I mean, the, the first thing, you know, a lot of people that come into a sales industry, they're that proverbial people person, right? And they're also historically a type A personality. You know, a little bit racy, you're a little bit, you know, gung-ho or a lot of bit, right? And you go, 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 go. And that's a great characteristic for the grind of being in, a, in an industry where you're working a lot. The challenge for some people is they lack the patience, and if I've seen people that haven't been able to make it work, it was their inability to accept the fact that they don't know and they need to learn and they need to understand that there's a lot of patience associated with that. And that can burn people out very, very quickly because you come in, you're like, I'm smart. People could tell me it's going to take a year, but I'm different and I can get it going in three months. And we all, all the good ones feel that way when yeah. you get into it. <laughs> but it's understanding that you, you, you got to have the right mentor, 
that you're working with and just understanding, no, this is a, it's a process. You know, nothing's a get rich quick thing. It is a process to get there. So that, that's the first part about it. You know, tips for driving business. Got to have a business plan. And when I, and different people do it at different levels. Some people will do a super granular business plan as to what they need to do. And other people take a much more uh, general approach to it. I happen to lean towards more of a general approach to it when you're first coming into the industry. First thing is you need to establish the pillars that you're going after. And if we're going to go after three pillars, as an example, I'm going to target real estate agents. I'm going to target my sphere of influence and give me somebody else for you. Who else would you target? Uh, I would networking events. Networking events. So these are my three business pillars that I'm going after. And then I would start to, I would, you want to assign value to that, right? So 50% of it, real estate agents, 25% sphere and 25% of it, networking events. Okay, great. So now I know who I'm going after theoretically, right? Then you got to chunk that down even more. So if I'm going to start going after real estate agents, well, who? Who? I've had this conversation with the hundreds of people that I've hired and trained over the years. Well, who are you going after? Everyone looks at me. I go, how are you going to pick up the phone or, or go to an event to meet a real estate agent if you don't know who you're going after? So the best advice I can give is put a list together and understand something about that person. So when I, if I want to go after Sarah Jones, the hypothetical real estate agent, well, okay, this is Sarah. Here's where she works. Here's her contact information. Here's who Sarah is. How much business does she do per year? You know, the nice thing about uh, social media and being online is you can really research people and you want to be able to do that, right? You want to be able to research the people that you're going to go after. And then you apply that same logic to the, to the networking events or to your sphere, right? So if you're going after your sphere, who? Am I calling my mom? <laughs> Am I calling my cousin? Right? Who am I calling and who am I going after? And then if you look at the networking events, it's okay, if I'm going to go to a networking event, I can't really say who yet, right? Because it might be a general networking event. So then it becomes, what's my purpose? Like, what am I there for? And who do I want to meet? And then when you get that information and you start to meet people, you know, you're taking it and then you're putting it into a discipline contact management system. So, you know, once you've established your, you know, who you're going after, then it becomes the how. So I'm going to go after real estate agents. So we'll just stay on that subject moving sure. forward. So I'm going to go after a real estate agent. So I have all their information. I know everything about them. How am I going after them? Am I hitting them up on social media? Am I giving them a call? Am I sending them a text? Like, what am I going to do? I can tell you this. One thing experience has taught me, and maybe it's some age demographic as well, I'm probably going to pick up the phone. Because, you know, someone who gets solicited all the time for new job opportunities via text, it drives me insane. And the reason that I don't like it is if I get, if I receive a text from someone, I feel like I'm part of the masses that they're going after. And it makes me feel like, well, gosh, I mean, if you want to come, come after me, you know, someone who's done one and a half billion dollars in mortgage originations, like, why wouldn't you just call me? Like, why would you send me a text like you send everybody else? Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. How are you going to get to know me via text? So I'd say you pick up the phone and then you, and for the purpose of setting up an appointment. 
and building right? that connection. Yeah, you pick up the phone, you talk to them, and you just want to get together with them. You know, I want to I want to sit down with you and hey, let's see how I can tell you, help you capture more listings, produce a more qualified buyer, and close those buyers more effectively for you. I'd love to spend fifteen minutes with you just to get to know you. But have some sort of initial benefit statement is, is my point. You know, some prop. people call it a value prop. Some people call it an elevator speech. But that's something you're going to say and then be prepared for the meeting. Yeah, I think a lot of the individuals in this industry, and, and it may be you know my age demographic, uh, demographic as well, is uh, they're totally okay with just shooting a text. And they'll be like, oh, I'll shoot 100 texts out and you know maybe I'll get some back. But you're right. It's so informal. It doesn't give you that opportunity to build that relationship. I mean, just as much as you want the business from them, um, you want to, you're in just as much as you're interviewing them to get their business, you're interviewing them to see if they're worth your business in a way. I mean, there are a lot of people out there that you might not want to work with, whether yeah. it's the way they do business or you, the reputation in the industry. So I couldn't agree with you more. And that's not a bad thing. It's just understanding the people that you're dealing with. Look, I mean, everybody doesn't like me. You know, seriously, some people like me, some people may not like me. I'd like to think everybody likes me. <laughs> it's going to hurt my feelings if you don't. But that's another story for another day, and I'll take that up with my therapist. <laughs> uh, but you, you really, though, you have to build that initial connection so you understand that you, can you even do business together. The beautiful thing about once you've established the relationship, man, then you can really make it grow, right? Saying you have to have disciplined contact management. Right, you're going into a database. You're making sure that you're communicating people on a, with people on a regular basis and having some sort of a discipline follow up. And I, the other thing that I would say, especially when you have your initial benefit statement and you're setting up an appointment, you know, you you just want got to be prepared, right? You got to go into that prepared. You got to go into that really to to understand and know the person and don't sell them anything. They don't know, you don't know each other. Get to know them. Take it from there. Build the relationship and then see if business comes from there. That's it. That's the name of the game. Does that answer your question? It does, by far. All right, I'm two for two. Nice. <laughs> so I got a question for you, Keith. Shoot. So you, you've come into the industry in 2022, which is a very volatile time for real estate and for the mortgage industry. Are you prepared for that? Uh, the best way to be prepared, I feel, and again, I don't have the experience of going through some of the other cycles that maybe yourself has gone through. I think the best thing you can do right now in a volatile market is, like you said, just be prepared. Um, continue to put out that that content or that education. Continue yeah. to provide value to those um, that you wish to provide value for. Um, and just be open because at some point the volatility does change. Um, you know, you, you fight through the storm and at the end of the storm, there's all flowers and rainbows. And that's great perspective on it, Keith. It is because when you look at, you know, my experience in a down market is 90% of people panic. They just do. It doesn't make them bad. It doesn't, I'm not qualifying that, but they stick their head in the sand somewhere. And then you get a really small percentage, maybe 10% of people are like, okay, how am I going to continue to move forward? To your point, you know, how am I going to continue to put out content? How am I going to continue to have value? And as opposed to taking that paradigm of, oh, things are so bad. And it's hard, right? Because, you know, things slow down. Like things are so, so hard right now. It's more, what's my opportunity in what I'm doing today? 
You know, I give you a great example. So, you know, we spend, we do this podcast every week and, you know, Nick, Nick and I work on more and more things. He wants me to shoot more in a really busy market. I'm kind of like, well, Nick, you know, how much, how much time do I have? Time's a commodity, right? And as things slow down, it gives us the ability to shoot a tremendous amount of information. Stay, keep going, keep educating, keep doing everything. I'm getting kind of tired though, Nick. <laughs> Nick smiling and nodding his head. Uh, but, you know, that's what we've been doing. You just kind of stay out there and keep uh, pushing forward. Yeah, I recently heard a uh, quote from Denzel Washington, uh, you know, one of my heroes here. That's great. Um, he had said uh, that he is different because he does not look at problems as problems. Instead, he looks at problems as opportunities. So, okay, something didn't go your way. What an opportunity to learn. Um, the recent volatility we have in the market, what an opportunity to learn and adapt the way I do business so I won't get caught with my proverbial pants down again. That's great. And you know what, with, with every problem, I've always, I think that's a great quote from Den, Denzel Washington. I've looked at it, every problem, every has a solution. And are you problem-based or are you solution-based? I mean, we know what the problem is. Mm -hmm. Interest rates are up. People aren't buying as many houses. And business is getting slower. All right, well, that's the problem. Okay, well, what's your solution to that, right? And how are you going to do that on an individual basis with consistency? Because everything's solutionable. Of course. Right? It's just a drive to do it. I just, uh, really quickly, when you look at today's market, and I compare it against 2008. So you look at where we're at right now, there's parallels with that. Uh, in 2008, I mean, the market crashed. I mean, it really crashed. You're talking some parts of the country, values dropped by 50%. Mortgage companies were going out of business like it was their business to, mm -hmm. to not be there. And it was a very, very dark time in the, in the real estate and in the mortgage business. I think this one, there are some parallels, but the biggest difference now between then is what triggered that issue back then was inventory. Inventory, there were so many people building homes, and one day all the buyers went away, and you had a ton of inventory. So you had new construction, you had, you had re regular resales, there were no buyers left. And that's not what we have this time. So we'll have a, an adjustment in the marketplace, but the reality is we still have a shortage of inventory. And like in any economic formula that you plug into it, if you have a supply low demand. supply, yeah, it's it. I mean, so that's going to keep everything stable. I think more than anything, it's we're going to get more in a normal market now moving forward. And that's, that's what we've been seeing, which is great. That's the opportunity. Yeah. And I couldn't right? agree more from my perspective as well from the agent side. That's fantastic. So we're just going to take a quick break and then it's going to be Greg Wareham, Keith Gajewski coming right back at you. Thanks guys. Hello, everybody. Hey, just wanted to take a minute today to talk about something that's really important, and it's called the Food Warriors Project. And it's a project that supplies food to active military members at McGuire, Fort Dix, and Lakehurst uh, bases. And unfortunately, there's a food shortage for our active military. It's something that tuned about 4,000 pounds of food per week. Now, we recently did a show with Mike Schaefer, 
who's the chaplain with the American Legion for the state of New Jersey. And he really went into this in a lot of detail. And in honor of Veterans Day and doing the right thing for active military, we're really encouraging people to make a donation to this cause. And we're going to put our money where our mouth is on it. Your mortgage process is going to donate or match your donations up to $2,500. Hopefully we can get $2,500 from everybody out there. I'll match $2,500 so we can raise $5,000 for this cause. You know, as I understood it from Mike, if we can raise $5,000 in money, it feeds these guys for two weeks. So think about the impact that you can have to our active military and their family members. It's important to note that 100% of the money goes to feed our troops. You know, and it doesn't go to paying for gas to move the, the food around or anything like that. It goes 100% just to buy the food and everything else is on a uh, donation basis. So please, if you're interested in making a donation, you can make a donation via PayPal, and that's the Military Support Alliance. Org. You just click on donate and then you put YMP for your mortgage process hyphen food warriors and then it'll identify it as a donation that came from our show and then we know that we can match it. So again, I just appreciate everyone taking the time to even hear me out on this very important project. And hey, if you want to hear more about it, check out our episode that we did with uh, Mike Schaefer and Charlene Nigel because they go to oh, go into it in a lot more detail. So thanks, everybody. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Your Mortgage Process. I, of course, am your host, Greg Wareham. We have Keith Gajewski with us today. Uh, Keith's new to the mortgage industry. Hey, Keith, I got a question for you. Go for it. So for you, being somebody that really has grown up in a technical generation, how do you see yourself leveraging things like social media? So uh, social media is a huge, huge part of, I feel like any business. Um, yeah. If you ask any business owner, uh, large, small, anywhere in between, they need a social media presence. I feel like brand names are not necessarily as strong as they used to be, yeah. and consumers are not as loyal as they used to be. Right. Um, I mean, you see big companies all the time, you know, look at the recent news um, of companies messing up uh, their, their brand, their perception, and people dropping them like flies. Right. Um, so I feel like having that uh, social media presence, a positive social media presence, and a consistent social media presence is really something that pushes um, you know, the brand and the companies uh, further. You know, I think one of the advantages that, that you're going to have is you're, you're tech savvy, you're going to be in that social media space, you already are. And when you look at the market that we're in right now, the reality is the market has shifted really to a first-time homebuyer market. You know, when you look at the demographics currently, 25% uh, of people have a mortgage interest rate of 3% or under. 93% of people have an interest rate of 6% or under, yep. right? So if I get a half a million dollar mortgage and I'm at 4%, am I really going to sell that house, buy another house at an interest rate in the sixes or the sevens? I'm probably not that apt to do that in today's market. However, first-time homebuyers, huge demographic. Millennials are the biggest demographic ever, uh, bigger than the baby boomers. And there's pent-up demand because they were all priced and termed out of the market over the course of the past couple few years. So that's going to be a huge opportunity for you to be able to capture that. Those are your people. They well, just are. You know, and you know how to communicate them with them in the fashion that they need to be communicated with. 
And circling back to uh, the start of the show, um, just again, the lack of financial literacy. So you have a lot of these home, uh, first-time home buyers, uh, my age or similar to my age, that don't know they can afford a home or they know they can't afford a home, but they don't know the necessary steps that they can take so they could afford a home in the next six, eight, 12 months. Sure. And I think that's going to be a big part of our job, um, even not just starting now, um, in the past, but moving forward is again, continue to educate and inform and just allow people to see the inner workings of, you know, what they can do to make dreams a reality. Sure. And when you look at the education process of that, how are you going to do it? So I think social media is a big um, portion of that because it's so digestible. Um, You know, the advent of the internet, uh, we were talking about it earlier today, made real estate a whole new game. It used to be much more closed niche. You had to really dig deep to find new listings or or, uh, homes for your buyers. Um, Now, I mean, you have 12 different social media platforms that there are millions of users using, and it's a matter of making uh, content that's, like I said, educational but digestible yep. so we could have a 40 minute educational video but is anybody going to watch it right um you got to make things digestible yeah you gotta keep it that kind of three minutes and under you know and also specifically what are you going to talk about i know nick and i had done a series for first-time home buyers about 14 different parts of it that really breaks it down from an interview with the real estate agent to the attorney you know kind of break it and there's three minute slots of what you need to know when you're a first-time home buyer and i'd highly highly encourage you to do something like that because it's going to give people quality content that they're going to watch and be able to relate to. And that's one of the things in your, in your, in your business plan, right? You know, how are you going to put it together? You know, that's a great area for you. And you're so charismatic and charming. Yeah. I just got to start a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You don't want that. (laughs) (laughs) So any other questions that you have for me, Keith? Uh, I would say, I mean, outside of the volatilities that we've spoken about already on the show, um, what are some difficulties, some hurdles that I might uh, expect to face or have to overcome, um, especially in the beginning of my career? I think, again, the number one is yourself and patience. That's the big one. You know, understand that every day is a day of growth with things that you're learning, and it's not going to all come together overnight. Uh, the other part of that is, you know, be prepared from a sales standpoint to have the right type of value proposition when you're meeting with people, when you're meeting with with real estate agents and other business pillars that you're going after. And so as an example right now, I would say, so if you were sitting down with me today, what would you say? So what do you think from a value proposition? In terms of? I'm a real estate agent. You want to do business with me. How are you going to get a, how, you, how are you going to get an appointment with me? Uh, well, first, um, I'd probably try to dig into what issues you're facing in your business now, yep. um, what hurdles you're facing and how I might be able to help you overcome them um, as a partner. I got, I got two minutes. I got two minutes right now, Keith. Talk to me. What do you got? Uh, so, hey, Greg, uh, you know, as you know, I'm on the mortgage side of this and my job is to make sure that your job is as smooth as possible when it comes to helping your buyers and your clients. Um, what I'd like to do is take two minutes of your time to understand what kind of hurdles or problems you might be facing so that we can tackle them together and we can ensure that your consumer is not at any point in question of whether the deal is going to go through. I love this guy, Nick. That's great. That's great. And that's the stuff you want to have that stuff mastered when you're going in front of them, because those are hurdles you're going to, you're going to have to overcome. 
is how do I refine my value proposition? So someone wants to sit down and talk to me. So then you can demonstrate, you know, all the things that you do bring to the table. So I, and as I kind of, not to be so repetitive, but I can't emphasize enough how much patience comes into that. You know, you just, you, and you have to talk to a lot of people and you have to have a very, very disciplined plan associated with it. You know, the other piece of advice I could give you is when you do start doing a transaction, make sure that your mentor, you always come to me with it, you know, but to review it, right? Because you don't want to, you can't make mistakes. Of course, especially, well, never, but especially in the beginning. Yeah. I mean, because mistakes are one of those things, it, there's too much on the line and there's so much information. You just want to make sure another set of eyes is, are, are looking on those. And I think those are great conversations to have. You know, talk about loans. Be around people doing the same thing as you. That's another hurdle that you're going to have to overcome. You only learn by doing it with like-minded individuals. It's the only way that you learn. You can't open a book. You can't read it. It's too much. You know, Best way to learn is to do. That's it. And to be around other people that are doing it so you can hear them and you can learn from them. Uh, as far as any other type of hurdles that you may have to overcome, you know, I don't really think any. It all, it all comes down to your perspective, right? Are there really any hurdles to begin with or is it just opportunities of what I need to do to learn and grow? No problems, just opportunities. That's it, right? Tell De Denzel knows. <laughs> He's got it down. <laughs> but, it's, but it's so true. You know, how am I attacking it? How am I approaching everything? So... What do you think? So you've had some experience on that. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, Nick has something to say. Yes, Nick. Working with Greg for, you know, uh, a few years now um, and some other projects, but getting a very objective point of view in an area that I have no expertise in. So learning a lot about real estate and mortgages and, uh, you know, working with real estate agents or mortgage brokers like Greg. And an objective thing is it's, it's the same thing applied across everything in the world. You come out with a product and there's going to be competition based off what you are missing, right? Like iPhone, iPhone comes out. It's the greatest phone ever. Blackberry's like, hang tight. Let me figure out what I can do. You know, Google, Android. Everyone's like, let's hold on, hold on. And then guess what? Their marketing is just pointing out the flaws, right? So that's just another tactic, of course. Yeah. But my, 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 my point here is that the, the product, uh, not the marketing tactic, the product being so different is how they try to push their edge. And that's kind of what you were doing with the elevator pitch. Appreciate it. You know, I'm just say I'm thinking while Nick's while Nick's talking, I'm thinking, you know, other hurdles that you can overcome. You know, the, so many of them are inward hurdles, right? Uh, some pieces of advice I can give, and this was given to me by one of my mentors, who was an area manager at a company I, I worked at. Great, great, great guy. Uh, he told me, if you have to eat poop, don't nibble. <laughs> and I love that. He used a little different of a word with it. But, but his point was, don't put things off that need to get addressed immediately. You know, people that I've seen succeed in this industry are as comfortable delivering bad news as they are good news. And as human beings, we have a tendency to shy away from having to give the bad news because it's uncomfortable. It's one of those things, hey, I should have called him at 8 o'clock this morning, and now it's the next day because you, you found other things to do. So don't nibble. You bite it off, take care of it, get it done. You know, another analogy that I've heard is, you know, eat the big frogs first, right? I was going to say. Yeah, it's the same thing. We're just get, get it off your plate because it becomes debilitating for you the rest of the day. And it's not fair to the consumer. And it's not fair to the business partner. People can take it. You just got to be honest with them. And I think that gives you an opportunity, again, where you're not just necessarily, are you just 
providing bad news or are you following that up with a potential game plan or some value or some benefit as to you know how the that individual or you guys in conjunction can move past that hurdle, whatever the hurdle is. I couldn't agree with you more, Keith. Prop, there's a problem. What's the solution? If I call someone with a problem, I have a solution. I probably have a couple of solutions. Mm-hmm. And because delivering a massive problem with no potential solutions to anybody, it causes panic, anxiety in people. You're just a message teller at that point then. Yeah, I mean, we've all had it done to us. You know, someone gives me bad news about something and they're not solutioning it up. If it's something that's uh, right, that's not solutionable from some, God forbid, some horrible news. But you know what I mean? From a business standpoint, it's like, OK, well, let me just sit and stew on that all day. Thanks for throwing yeah. that one in my court to solution. <laughs> right. And to your point before about, you know, teamwork and how can I help? How can you build and grow together? Well, that's how you do it. You solution problems together because it makes every everyone and everything stronger. Couldn't agree more. So, Keith, you got experience in the real estate industry. So you're not this isn't foreign to you, the sales, the process of sales. You know, what do you think you can take from what you're doing right now and apply it to the mortgage industry? Great question. Um, so kind of the reason why I jumped into becoming a hybrid agent is because of the value that I can provide for my clients. Um, so as we talked about before, it's a partnership between the the lender, the agent, the title, the consumer, the attorney, and everyone else in, involved. Right. And when I sat down one day to think about how can I provide more value to my clients, um, this idea popped in my head. Wow. What if I took it upon myself to do multiple portions or, or add more value through, um, those partnerships. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm excited to jump into this side to better understand it for not just myself, but again, as a value add for anybody I might work with in the future. And then it also helps me in terms of, um, you know, if I am on the lending side of it, then I have the insights of the agent and maybe I can help another agent in a way that maybe I didn't get the help during my tenure. Right. Um, and vice versa. I think, you know, one of the advantages you have coming from the real estate end of it, especially from the consumer side, is you really have to have a lot of empathy, patience, and understanding with dealing with the consumer because they're huge transactions. And, you know, houses aren't like buying cars. They're just not. They're not like buying a TV. These are emotional decisions that are being made in residential real estate. Right. You see your you see yourself there for the rest of your life or pick any type of value. But you have to be able to understand how to talk to people and kind of level with them and understand that, you know, what they're going through is most likely just temporary. And how can you help them get over that? Exactly. And listen. And listen, I mean, one of the things that, as you know, that that salespeople really fall short on is listening. Mm -hmm. They don't listen. 80% 80% don't. They just don't listen. Uh, they want to get their proposition out, what they're trying to do or provide, and without actually understanding if it's something you need in the first place. Right. They always got something to say. Drives me bananas. <laughs> it drives me crazy because, you know, you come in and do sales, everyone's always kind of trying to sell you something, you know, no matter where you're going, right? And it's just, just stop. Why don't you ask me what I want? Yeah. Because otherwise you're just throwing darts at a board, hoping one sticks. Exactly. All right, now that the end of the year is over and we're getting into 2023, Keith, what does your plan look like? What's your three-year, your five-year plan look like? Oh, another great question, Greg. (laughs) I'm an interviewer. So uh, (laughs) having uh, two hats to wear moving forward is definitely going to be a little bit of a challenge, we'll call it. Mm -hmm. Um, 
a hurdle per se. Um, just to understand both sides of the industry, because I'm so new on the agent and I'm brand new in terms of the mortgage. Um, my next few years, I definitely want to hone in on, again, truly understanding the process from start to finish. That way I can walk my clients and my partners and my colleagues through that process the same. Mm -hmm. um, I would like to ideally um, cap on the terms of my real estate end. Okay. So we'll see how that goes with wearing two hats. Okay. Um, that's my game plan. I've already set myself up for that this coming year. Um, so, uh, you know, ideally the first few few months is going to be a learning curve. Um, but after that, I plan to hit the the road pedal to the metal. Um, I'm already drawing up business for the potential when I'm up and running. Right. Um, so it's a matter of proving to myself and no one else um, that this was the right choice for me mm -hmm. and that I can do it and I will do it. That's great. You will you will make it happen, Keith. Thank you. What does success look like to you? Uh, success for me, like I said, financial literacy is just. I, I if I got nothing else away from being in this industry, but providing value and education to those that decide to follow and watch, then I, I'd find that I was successful. That's that's great. That's great. You know, I I, I mean, in that type of attitude, it gets you a long way. It just really does. I mean, it's it's understanding that the success really comes from what you can do for others and not necessarily And the byproduct of that is what it does for you. Exactly. And I, I think a lot of people tend to get really hyper focused on the numbers. Oh, I mean, I can sit here and tell you I want to make 200 grand next year. Right. You know, th those goals are for anybody. But when you take the the financial goals out of the picture right. and focus on the work itself, and the, like you said, the byproduct of the work, mm -hmm. like, uh, another quote from, um, uh, Denzel, uh, not, not <laughs> today, Williams, um, the comedian, Robin, Robin Williams. Williams. Um, he said, I know I was successful in life because I know I made a few people happier than they would have been without me. Yeah. What a win and, that is, right? you know, and, and that is another quote that stuck by me a lot. Um, and I've tried to hone into how I do business. Right. That's great. That's powerful. And I, like I said, that paradigm coming into it really just goes a, it goes a long way. And that in and of itself will help you accomplish anything you're trying to do in life. It's Money fantastic. will come. It always does. You do the right thing with the right activities that are right by people. The money always follows that. It's the shortcuts that derail that whole thing. Short-term gain, long-term loss. And I've seen it time and time again in, in sales. You know, everyone's looking for a shortcut. There well, isn't one. That's why you see, I'm sure you can attest, how many people entered the industry, both on the mortgage end and the real estate agent end. A ton, a yeah. ton out yeah. of nowhere, seeing what was perceived to be easy money. Yep. Now things are getting a little more difficult, a little more volatile. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And it's and there's been a tremendous amount of people coming in the mortgage industry over the course of the past five years. And it is. It's this allure of you can make a lot of money doing it. Well, that's true, right? You can make a lot of money doing it, but there's no shortcuts. I mean, it's a long-term campaign to get to where you want to be. And and if your end goal is to make a ton of money, there are much many other ways for you to do it, you know, so... You don't have to necessarily focus on that in a industry that should be ideally customer centric. Yeah. Overall. Yep. Yeah, no, couldn't agree with you more. Good stuff, Keith. Awesome.
So, Keith, I want to say this. You're a very charismatic guy. Good looking guy. You'll see him on camera. (laughs) You're going to do fantastic in the industry. And anything that I can do to try to help and support, uh, answer any questions for you, lead you down the path, I certainly will. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time today to come on the show, to have an open, honest dialogue about uh, where you're at, where you want to go, and have this discussion. I really enjoyed it, man. Thank you. Well, I appreciate you and your time and for having me, um, and I definitely will be taking you up on that mentorship, so don't worry. You call me anytime. And thanks, everyone out there, for listening. Again, this is Greg Wareham from Your Mortgage Process, our guest today, Keith Gajewski. I keep getting it right. Oh, yeah. That's Polish in there. <laughs> yes. We look forward to catching up with you guys next week. Bye, guys. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Your Mortgage Process, hosted by Greg Wareham, produced by Greg Wareham and Nick Pavis at The Social Rift, and executively produced by The Social Rift. Thank you again for tuning in, and we look forward to catching up with you next week.